Okay, people, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Would you please tell him that instead of presents this year, I just want my family back. Rudolph, with your nose so bright, won't you guide my sleigh tonight? It must be magic. I must find some way to keep Christmas from coming. Nobody's walking out on this fun, old-fashioned family Christmas. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? True, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Seeing isn't believing. Believing is seeing. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. another episode of tis the podcast the podcast dedicated to keeping the christmas spirit alive all year i'm julia i'm anthony and i'm tom and i'm excited because we're talking about the x-files this week Whew. okay i had to get that out did y'all have a good week i did have a good week yeah. things are I, warming up i feel like we're getting further and further away from the christmas weather it, it was over 90 here today oh yeah see hmm. that's just nasty so yeah. i have a christmas tea right now Good. it's a sugar cookie flavor what mug is it in my harry potter marauders map one. Oh, good mug it's the closest thing i had to ghosts and the paranormal so <laughs> i like how thoughtful your mug selections are i try I can tell. We need to do a mug of the week. I hate her on Instagram. I know. Sarah packed away half of my mugs because I had way too many. So they're in Divorce store. her. Leave her. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, Sarah. That is not choice. <laughs> oh. Well. You got to make it. You, the way I see it, you've got to make an example of the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Let all subsequent spouses know your UV business. <laughs> That uh, sugar cookie flavored tea just about came out of your nose. <laughs> Didn't it? It did. That was a good one, Tom. <laughs> That's going to be the official reason when I file for a divorce. She packed away my mugs. Make an example. <laughs> oh, God. You know, I bet if you have a judge who's been doing this for any amount of time, that's probably not even in the top five weirdest reasons people get a divorce. <laughs> I, I guarantee you it's not. Well, speaking of divorce and stretch that a little bit to unrequited love, we are discussing tonight the 1998 X-Files Christmas episode, How the Ghost Stole Christmas. Now, this is not the only X-Files Christmas episode, but really in the grand scheme of things, it's the only one that touches on Christmas as a thing. Um, the rest are all wrapped up in mythology. So this is the one we're addressing. So... I don't know if we're going to rank it against itself or put it on a different list. We'll figure that out during the recording. I think we should put it on the TV list just because there's only one. And we put the one Brady Bunch one on the list. I think we should put it on the office list and compare it to every office Christmas movie. Oh, but I really like the (laughs) (laughs) X-Files. Okay. So for those of you that have not seen it, Tom, can you give us a plot synopsis for this episode? On Christmas Eve, Mulder and Scully stick at a house that is supposedly haunted by the ghosts of two lovers who killed each other and a lover's pact 81 years before. Inside, the agents find two apparitions who are more than willing to give insight into the relationship and personalities of Mulder and Scully. That was very X-Files-y. Every, every time they said lover's pact, all I could think was uh, love pact. 
baby love pack. You know, changing that out. <laughs> <laughs> I laughed at inappropriate times during uh, the X Files. <laughs> well, so let's talk about that then. Um, more than what our histories are with this particular episode, what are your histories with the X Files, Anthony? You want to go first? Sure. Yeah. Um, I love the X Files. Like I've always loved the X Files since I first discovered it. It's probably in middle school when I really got into it. So I'm a big fan of like, you know, supernatural, paranormal, sci-fi type stuff in general. And I could totally relate to Mulder because I'm I'm a total believer in things. <laughs> so uh he like I just love his character. I love the dynamic between Mulder and Scully. So, and when I say I'm into, I was really into the X-Files and I still love the X-Files, I mean up until Mulder and Scully left the show. Right. Because that's when it went downhill for me. Um, that's, that's not even canon post their departure. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, but yeah, I loved it. But I will say um, the mythology got a little too heavy handed at times and convoluted. So I much prefer the simpler Monster of the Week episodes. And I find that's the same for other shows too, like Buffy and Supernatural and all that stuff, which all of which I love and all of which X-Files really paved the way for, honestly. Their standalone episodes are always better. But yeah, huge fan, always have been, to the point where I almost named my cats Mulder and Scully when I got them. Or I wanted to, wanted to, but then the lady who gave them to us said they were both boys. Then it turned out, Shelly was a girl, so but we had already named them at that point. So Darn. I was kind of annoyed. Maybe next time. <laughs> that would have been amazing. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine taught us Scully is a unisex name. <laughs> so X-Files. I was a kid who grew up in the 90s. I had a love, a serious love of the paranormal. I'm really a skeptical person, but the mythology and lore around the paranormal is really intriguing to me. So I enjoyed the X-Files. Uh, I liked it a lot. I stopped watching before Mulder and Scully broke up originally, before they went their separate ways and left the show. Um, And I watched the first season that they brought back Mm -hmm. and um, have trauma blocked it. (laughs) Wise choice. (laughs) And and as I was watching this episode this week, I remember why. Just David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson have an unbelievably complicated chemistry that comes off well their storyline is really complicated right they're who they Mm -hmm. are and i won't get into much of that but the way those two actors play that off of each other is just it's stellar Mm -hmm. how about you julia yeah so this is another show i was not allowed to watch growing up because my parents thought it was satanic so which means they got the wrong episode on the wrong week where it literally was satanic but um so I was banned from watching it, but I probably underwent more subterfuge getting these copies from a friend of mine on VHS tape to where I could pretty much stay consistent with watching them week to week. So it was my first act of childhood rebellion, I feel like. And of all TV shows, X-Files ranks in my top five favorite shows of all time. Um, I just always loved it. Not that I've always been fascinated by paranormal stuff, which I sort of have a little bit, but my favorite thing was like Tom said, and then Anthony also echoing him. I love the relationship. Um, Mulder and Scully's relationship was just my favorite. And then the tertiary characters that worked like the lone gunman. I always loved them. They were hilarious. And the kind of comedy that hit 
in the show when they really embraced those types of episodes um, is my favorite. So my favorite episodes are always the funny ones. And this one I put in that same category because it really does play on some laughs. And it's a monster of the week, like Anthony mentioned, which was my favorite as well. Um, the, the, I didn't get into the mythology too much either. I like the, I like the monsters of the week as well. I liked, I like everything being wrapped up in a nice tight bow. It worked better for me. I mean, there was yeah. always the underlying story that Mulder's looking for his sister, blah, blah, blah. So, so I feel like what didn't work about the reboot for me, like you, t- you kind of touched on it just now, Tom, and I know we talked about it last week, I think off mic though, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson had, I think, trouble slipping back into their characters and the same chemistry, recreating that chemistry. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a problem of all these reboots coming out too, right? Like John Goodman on Roseanne seems a little stiff and they had problems on Arrested Development coming back for the new season and everything. I think it's just hard to recapture that type of magic from a few years back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I the, will say... The original show say- worked because of them and that dynamic. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, you know, just pitting the believer against the skeptic. I just just love the juxtaposition of the two of them. And yeah, it worked. It worked. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. So you, had, you mentioned uh, Roseanne, so I have to chime in off topic here. Um, I didn't realize how horrible all of the actors from that show were back in the day. <gasps> uh, John Goodman was the only one with a shred of talent. So did they act like that in the original as well? Yes, it was okay. that bad. Because I never watched the original, and I've watched a few of the newer episodes, and Sarah Gilbert is, like, painful to watch. Painful. Like, all of them I, are. Is that too I long went long back and episode? watched a couple of the old ones, and they are that bad. Johnny Galecki was, isn't bad. I mean, in the, even in the, the reboot, his characters, he does his character pretty well. I think yeah. Laurie Metcalf is good. Or maybe that's because I'm being skewed by everything else she does because she's good in everything else. But. She's a lot more comfortable to watch in Big Bang Theory than she is in this. There's something about this that it feels stiff. Very, very mm-hmm. stiff. That's what she said? Yeah, that works. <laughs> but, and then, like, when Sarah Gil- when she was in Big Bang Theory, as just a side-side-side character, she was even more comfortable to watch than she is in this one. So is yep. it the writing? I mean, it's just very... I don't know. I think there's something about the whole, especially nowadays, the whole shot in front of a live studio audience thing. <laughs> that's kind of an outdated... Uh, that was Big Bang Theory, right? That's, that's true. I think the writing is really limited. I think Sarah Gilbert's character on the Big Bang Theory um, was very shallow. She didn't have a lot of depth. Here she's trying to be a mother, a daughter, you know, you bridge this gap, trying to keep the pieces together of her family after losing everything, and she's just bailing at it horribly. (laughs) Was that too rough? Was that harsh? (laughs) It's just funny. (laughs) The nonchalance he said that with was, it was just Uh, funny. Yeah, and I I don't think um, Lori Metcalf is doing well on Roseanne at all. She drives I like her so much more as uh, Sheldon's mom. I liked her so much more as a killer in Scream 2. Spoiler alert if you haven't seen that movie from the 90s, people. I don't well, know. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, shit, that was a twist. I'm not going to watch it. She was a killer. At this point, I think it's safe to assume that Julia's not going to pick up and watch Scream 2. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> okay. So. Um, credits are pretty limited for this particular episode. It's a very small cast. It was written and directed by Chris Carter, which I feel like in the first seasons was a really great thing, but then in the reboots was pretty tragic because he's single-handedly responsible for some of the worst newer episodes. 
but he's also single-handedly responsible for all of the mythology and the conspiracy theories that underlie the show. So I'm not going to list what else he's done because he's known primarily for the X-Files. We have Mulder and Scully played respectively by David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson. And then our two other characters in the show are the two long lost lovers um, that are the the ghosts that are haunting this house that they're visiting on Christmas Eve. Lydia is Lily Tomlin and Maurice is Ed Asner. And Ed Asner is back for another Christmas iteration of something. (laughs) Not a Santa. This was the the weirdest Santa I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert. This is a Santa-free episode. So the gist of the episode beyond the great synopsis that Tom gave us is that it's Christmas Eve. Mulder is staking out this haunted house because it's a very Mulder thing to do. And he calls Scully to come and meet him, giving her absolutely zero background information. And of course, because she's Scully, she comes, even though she has a ton of other Christmas Eve stuff to do. Hijinks ensue. Against her better judgment, she ends up going into the haunted house with him. And they spend the rest and the bulk of the episode in this house. They interact with the ghosts and things happen. So it makes sense to me that X-Files would do a ghost story type episode for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Because as we've discussed before, that used to be the tradition back in the day to tell ghost stories on Christmas Eve. Uh, Because there's a time of reflection and thinking about, you know, the year that's passed and, you know, Mm -hmm. the ghosts that haunt you. And this episode of the show uh, fit nicely into that, I thought. Yeah. Into that whole tradition. It's both literally the ghosts that are haunting them and figuratively the ghosts that are haunting them. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. So as a little bit of background for this particular episode, this is season six. So if anybody really loves the X-Files, it's known as one of the better seasons when things were pretty comfortable, but also lots of standalone episodes that were different enough to really excite X-Files, P-H-I-L-E-S, so to speak. So this season had a lot of love storylines and unrequited love and weird love storylines, particularly between Mulder and Scully. So this was the same season that had Triangle, where they get stuck in the Bermuda Triangle. And the kiss happens at the end of the episode between a 1940s Mulder character and Scully character. And then... Um, It's also the season with one of my favorite weirder two-part episodes, the Dreamland episodes, where Mulder body switches with um, Morris Fletcher, who, again, in that one, just by virtue of Mulder not being in his body, the guy that's in the Mulder body gets real frisky acting with Scully. And so it's a whole lot of overshadowing, right? Because people have been wanting them to get together forever. And when they get together, it ruins absolutely everything. But Mm -hmm. um, so this episode kind of stays in line with that, which I really kind of like because I was one of those people that wanted to see him get together (laughs) until I knew that that was just a really terrible idea. Um. So I really liked that about this episode. So you've got Lydia and Maurice are the ghosts and they are the ones that came to the lover's pact long, long ago. I like how the episode starts with, with Mulder giving this very much written like a story overview of the history of this house. And that's what prompts them to go inside is to check it out. And Mulder is moved by his genuine curiosity and Scully is moved by, I think a little her curiosity, but mostly I think she wants to prove him wrong a little bit. And they talk about that a little bit later <laughs> in the show. Do y'all like haunted house stories just in general? 
I do, but I'm huge on the paranormal in yeah. general. Like I'm a t- like I said, I'm a total believer. That's why I related to Mulder. I <laughs> totally believe there are ghosts and ghosts and you know, <laughs> aliens have gotta be out there because we can't be the only things in the universe. So I totally <laughs> am a believer. So yeah, I like haunted house. Right, you, Tom? Uh, not as much as I used to. I've become a real skeptic in my advanced years. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe in ghosts and haunted houses, but if I'm watching a scary movie and it's a haunted house scary movie, I'm in it. I don't know what it is about haunted houses, but they're fascinating. Like the the Winchester house. I want to go to that thing so bad I can't even tell you. Me too. That'd be yeah. so much fun. We should all go at the same time and podcast from there with like a special Patreon episode. Wouldn't it like not record? I don't know. Let's find out. That would so, be cool. My grandparents used to live next door to the Amityville house. So that's <gasps> something. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. I like I like Julianne Anderson's line where she admits to being scared. She's like, all right, I'm scared. But it's an irrational fear. Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was something I could totally relate to. Yeah, and the character stayed consistent through the episode, which I always like too, right? She maintained, I love that it has all of the elements of a successful X-Files episode, which is Mulder saying, here is the far-fetched paranormal reason for what's happening and her immediately having some psycho analysis behind it to tell him why he's feeling the way he's feeling. I, I like that it was such a small personal episode so they could really get into their psyches. Like it's just yeah. the two of them and the two ghosts in this episode. I actually, I think um, it's actually the smallest uh, the episode with the least amount of cast members and the whole show's run, I read. So yeah. I, th- I thought that helped. A lot. I, thought, I liked that a lot because it cool. really delved into their minds, right? Absolutely. And I love it. It was more psychological than anything in this one, which I liked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that was the ghost's plan is to play on each other's insecurities and in the end have them kill each other, essentially. <laughs> So each, so Mulder has his time with just Maurice. Scully has her time with just Lydia. And then they eventually kind of have a time with each of the ghosts. And the whole time the ghosts are talking to our main characters, they're, they're needling him for, you know, why are you the way you are? And, you know, you like, you would rather be here at a haunted house instead of with your family, Mulder. And what does that say about you? And then playing on Scully's insecurities as well. You know, why are you always following around after him? And don't you live just to prove him wrong? Your only joy in life is to prove him wrong. And so there, the whole move, the whole show is building up to that climax where the ghosts want them to kill themselves. But we're fighting for Mulder and Scully not to do that. So the writer said the one scene they had in mind from the beginning when writing this episode is that scene where they're literally dragging themselves toward the door all bloody and they were just building up to that to get there. But um, can we talk about like the Christmas element here for a minute? Yes. So, So I really liked, right, that for the most part on this episode, whether we liked a film or not, most of the Christmas stuff we dealt with dealt with the happier, more traditional aspects of Christmas. And I liked that this one dealt with the people, the lonelier aspects, how Christmas kind of uh, emphasizes the feelings of loneliness and misery that people who don't really have a lot feel around that time of year. Mm-hmm. I know we're not into quotes yet, but I think the conversation between Maurice and Lydia really uh, emphasized that because 
so they're only allowed to haunt one day a year. Mm-hmm. Um, I forget what the reasoning for that was or if they gave a reasoning. But Maurice asks, oh, of all the days, why did you pick Christmas? Why not Halloween? And Lydia replies, now who's filled with hopelessness and futility on Halloween? Christmas comes but once a year. And Maurice says, you're right. These two do seem pretty miserable. We need to show them just how lonely Christmas can be. Mm-hmm. And Lydia said, now that's the old Yuletide spirit. And, uh, you know, we talked about that, especially with the Charlie Brown episode. Like, people who don't like Christmas, a lot of them do feel really lonely and isolated, just surrounded by all of that goodwill and cheer and the decorations and everything that type of year. So I like that while this episode didn't really give me a lot of Christmas feelings it focused on that other aspect of christmas i i don't really think about a lot because i love this season so Mm -hmm. so one thing that scully mentions when they're walking into the house and she's psychoanalyzing all of (laughs) Mulder's far-fetched reasons why all of this is happening she mentions the essence of christmas and that essentially all it is just the longing to be with the ones you love and i loved that because I mean, that's the theme of the entire episode is, like you said, loneliness. And so that's what we're building up to, right? The longing to be with the ones you love. And then this, this instance, it's Mulder and Scully. Was that like the only person who didn't want Mulder and Scully to get together? Probably. <laughs> no, you were definitely not the only person. Oh, I did not like that idea at all. I ended up knowing that what I liked was the banter more than the actual getting together. And I knew that, right? Because in the first movie when that almost kiss happens with the bee. Like, that's what I wanted. Just string me along the entire time because it makes it interesting. Yeah, I like the flirty tension. Exactly. I like like the tension. It was the same on House. I think somebody here besides me, the House fan, we said, I liked when Mm -hmm. House and Cuddy had the flirty banter more than this season where they were actually together. Right. Absolutely. So after the, the Ross and Rachel thing started, everybody was doing something similar where we have these... And it just got really old to me. Really we'll old. get to the Ross and Rachel romance when we talk about friends, but I hated that romance so much. But it just keeps, <laughs> but every show tried to do that since. Oh, mm-hmm. abs- absolutely. But it's just try, it's just. And I've hated it. This it's pedantic. 99% of them, but I really like it here. That one. No, I mean, I like, again, I like the flirting and everything. I didn't necessarily want them to get together. This episode, though, to me, feels a lot less like like love, love, than it does like them being comfortable with each other and like, like Philos love instead of, what is it, Eros love? But Bouchicky wow wow love? That's the kind. Yeah, not that kind in this one. <laughs> I feel like it was more just that general respect for each other. So, um, so back I got when the idea that it was just wanting somebody, wanting, you know, you, you've already given the quote from her. You just wanted mm-hmm. the ones you love. It was just more, I don't know, it was just sad more than anything to me. It wasn't. Yeah. I think it was just like, yeah, I felt like it was more platonic. Being with somebody you love doesn't necessarily mean in a romantic way. Right. Like, um, you know, just to mention The Office real quick, when they were, before they got Jim and Pam together, when the creators pretended, oh, well, they may not necessarily end up together. Yeah, okay. Uh, they were talking about writing it. And they said sometimes the best love stories in real life are the platonic friendship ones, which I thought was really poignant when I read that. And it's true, you know. And I felt like Mulder and Scully had a really great platonic love story in my mind. Mm-hmm. Kind of yep. like 
Dwight and Michael. Yeah. I was thinking Dwight and Jim. <laughs> that too. Both of them. There's, there's really was that there's was a love hate thing. That- so talking about the Christmas feels of this episode, I mean, there's no Christmas tree in this episode, although there is a very funny Christmas tree quote. Um, there are no Christmas. We're Jewish. We're Jewish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Aside from the Christmas presents in the back of Scully's car, there are no decorations. It all takes place in the house and then at the very end in Mulder's apartment, which Mulder's apartment, if it was decorated, would have been an absolute aberration to his character in the show. So I was glad they did that. Um, but they had some good music in it. They so they music. had classic Christmas music to begin with and then to end with. Those and are they, the two scenes. They were that. Those two scenes made me happy, very happy. Yeah. The music, yeah. Well, well used. Yes, extremely well used. And they interjected a lot of organ in the standard Mark Snow um, X Files music in the background. And I feel like they added some bells or something that made it feel a little Christmassy as well, in just a few parts. But uh, I got some feels without the standard feel makers. Yeah, I did too. It left um, me wanting. It left huh? me, wanting, to, it left me left. wanting as well, but it did give me the beginning of the end. Did give me like you know, oh, I like it. Yeah. But uh, while we're talking about the music, real quick, can we just say how iconic the theme song for this show is? I love the opening credits to this show so much. I do too. Yep. <laughs> I do too. And like, like I love it so much. But at the same time, it kind of like makes the hair of my, you know. The mm-hmm. arms like stand up because it is like sufficiently creepy enough. Like yep. there's something about it. Yeah, I love it, it though. Definitely creepy enough. I hear. I heard it the other day, and uh, I was in a uh, the grocery store, and it was somebody's ringtone. It was just enough to make me go. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I think because I wasn't expecting it at the time, but yeah, I know what you mean. So the ending of this episode, or the climax anyway, is when Scully thinks that Mulder has shot her, but really it's the ghost acting like Mulder. Um, And the shooting part, her actually being shot is just all in her brain. And then the other one is that Mulder thinks he's shot by Scully, but Scully is actually the ghost taken on Scully's body. So they each think that they've shot each other, or that the other has shot them. And so, like Anthony mentioned, they're out in the hallway like exiting the house with blood trail behind them and they're holding themselves and Scully's like I can't believe you shot me and Mulder's like I can't believe you shot me and she's like you shot me first no you shot me first and they think they're dying but it clicks with Mulder and he's like stand up and um they both realize it's just completely in their minds and it's the ghosts that have been messing with them trying to get them to actually shoot each other they leave the house and then we cut to Mulder in his apartment, uh, watching the original Alistair Sim Christmas Carol. Um, and it's the part, it's after he's been visited by the ghost when he wakes up the morning after, right? And he's rejoicing to once again be given a second chance. Which Alistair Sims, by the way, if you haven't seen that movie, anyone acts the hell out of that scene. <laughs> but <laughs> it's very... It's very 1940s, 1950s acting. Yeah. As a fair warning. Uh, Did you so guys like Ed Asner, Lily Tomlin in this? I Because Tom, you were, I don't know if you did, because you said they were weird. I I loved the two of them in this episode. They kind of played against their usual types, too. They were really yeah. weird. Yeah, she was creepier than I've ever seen her in anything. Uh, totally. He was kind of Ed Asner, though. <laughs> 
Just with the hole in his head. <laughs> yeah, but Lily Tomlin's usually these goofy, lovable characters. And she was, yeah, yeah she was sufficiently creepy in this one. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how you couldn't love these two. And they did, they did really well together. Their chemistry was great. I want to yeah. go back real quick when you were talking about when, um, when Scully was seeing Mulder shooting her. David Duchovny did such an amazing job of becoming, like it was obvious it was not Mulder. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think we we're. I don't know if they were wanting us to believe that he was actually shooting the gun, but his eyes and his face were just so different than traditional than like Mulder usually is, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really cool on his part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you're listening, David Duchovny, good job. Oh, come on our show because I've had a crush on you for just all the years. <laughs> so. I missed a scene and it's one of my more favorite scenes as well. It's our wrap up with Maurice and Lydia. So after they've unsuccessfully (laughs) convinced Mulder and Scully to kill themselves, we're back to them. They're sitting in these two chairs in front of the fire and they're basically saying, man, I thought we were going to get them and we didn't. Um, But I do quite like how you can tell they still love each other. You know, and they get that sick thrill out of trying to convince people to kill themselves, but they do it that because they're like genuinely joyful ghosts, which kind of cracks me up in a sort of sick, sadistic way. But I like how they end it where um, Lydia looks at Maurice and says, we haven't forgot the meaning of Christmas, have we? And they hold each other's hands and then they disappear. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they did, though. Forget the real thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel pretty confident that they that they let that go. I liked Maurice's line during that conversation before they fa- they fade away. We can't let our failures haunt us when they're talking about how they almost had them. I really liked that. <sighs> yeah, I did not. <laughs> I was like, come on, that is way too over the top cheesy here. <laughs> there, there's a lot in this show's run that was a little over the top cheesy. You think sure. so? In the entire show's run. <laughs> so at the very end, Scully shows up at Muller's apartment where he's all alone and she ends up, um, they, they kind of, if there's a Linus moment, I think that would be it where she's like, you know that I don't just do stuff to prove you wrong. Right. And he's like, and you know that I don't take you for granted essentially. And they're both realizing their own faults and trying to make amends for it. And it comes to a point where he surprises her with a gift and she surprises him with a gift, even though they've agreed not to get each other anything. And um, I'm not entirely convinced that's a true Linus moment, but if this show has one, it's that. I, I would give it this, you know, razor than margin of passing for me. Yeah. I and I don't know if I was just it was just a music underlaying the scene too. Mm, but I don't really. know. Like it, it made me happy. Yeah. Um, it made me happy too. But no, I know what you mean. I don't think it's like a true like, you know. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty weak. But what do you think Mulder got Scully? I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure what Scully got Mulder. But what, what do you think? Oh, he got, she got him a porno video. Obviously, <laughs> it's a VHS tape, and he has that whole penchant for porn the entire time. That's true. That's definitely that. Which is Real funny life. given yeah. that, yeah, <laughs> I was about to say. I guess it could be like, I don't know, it could be a video of some alien autopsy, maybe. But I feel like he would get that from Deep Throat or somebody. Not from her. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes you can't go the obvious route, and I'm not going to go with that route. 
which also hints to Mulder's character, by the way. <laughs> it, if it was a porno, though, um, this show inspired a lot of Supernatural, obviously. Just uh, mm-hmm. And um, they did one Christmas episode, too, and they exchanged gifts at the end of that episode, and one of the brothers got the other skin mags because, you know, they're living life on the road or poor. There you so. go. Yeah. <laughs> but what did Scully get? I can't figure it out. I'm not sure. It was all rolled up like a calendar or something, but I don't know. Who knows? Cat. It was probably a cat calendar. <laughs> <laughs> she was a dog person. She was. Y'all have any favorite quotes or scenes? I do. I do. So, so you mentioned it a little bit earlier, Julia. Um, yep. There's a Christmas tree quote. So it's when Scully and Lydia are first talking and they have this exchange and Scully's like, you don't live here. This isn't your house. And Lydia says, you wouldn't think so the way I'm being treated because Scully's pointing a gun at her. And Scully's like, well then why is all the furniture covered? And Lydia's like, we're having the house painted. Well then where's your Christmas tree? And Lydia just shrugs and she's like, we're Jewish. Boo. (laughs) (laughs) And that really made me laugh. (laughs) I really liked it when she, um, when she's trying to get a rise out of, Molder by showing her the big giant gun hole, gunshot hole in her abdomen. And she looks at him and she says, I don't normally show my hole to just anyone. And Molder's like, Why are you showing it to me? <laughs> I like um, it's actually one quote that I work into everyday life if I can. Um, I like it when Scully, they're in the car, so it's before they go into the house, and she goes, The dark gothic manor, the omnipresent low fog, hugging the thicket of overgrowth. Wait. Is that a hound I hear bang out on the moors? Mulder says, no, actually, that was a left cheek sneak. <laughs> <laughs> I have that one down, too. One of my favorites. <laughs> While they're talking, when she gives them her explanation for being late about, you know, checkout lines being so awful, or tra- uh, rush hour being so, so much worse than checkout lanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she says, if I heard the silent night one more time, I was going to start taking hostages. <laughs> Um, you kind of touched on this quote earlier, Julia, but I just wanted to read the whole thing. And it's when Scully says to Mulder, I mean, Mulder doesn't take an advanced degree in psychology to understand the unconscious yearnings that these imaginings satisfy, you know, the longing for immortality, the hope that there's something beyond the mortal coil that we might never have, that we might never be long without our loved ones. I mean, these are powerful, powerful desires. I mean, they're the very essence of what makes us human, the very essence of Christmas, actually. Yep. And I like that. I like the psychological the psychological exploration of this film, of this episode in general. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go into it, but all of the, I mean, just how hard Maurice comes out attacking. He's giving a psychological evaluation of Mulder, but it's very, very incendiary and, and attacking. But he's right. <laughs> <laughs> he is nailing it. Exactly Mulder is right. a huge narcissist. I mean, he's, he's I don't know, he, he, it was great, but man. Made me really uncomfortable. Made me wonder if these these people were, were therapists in their past life or, or in the psychology field. I guess it was 81 years ago. So they I don't know what they would have been called 81 years ago. Oh, so I like at the end when they're in Mulder's apartment and Scully's like, uh, not, not that my only joy in life is proving you wrong. And Mulder says, when have you proved me wrong? She goes, well, <laughs> and she's sitting there thinking about it. Like, when have I proven you? She goes, why else would you want me out there with you? And the pause is funny because then it makes you stop and think like, honestly, how many times has she proven him wrong? <laughs> Not many. The, the whole scene with the homage to Poe, the telltale heart thumping under the floorboards. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<laughs> I rolled my eyes at that when the floor started thumping. It just feels really overdone. But they won me over quickly when they open it and uh, they find the two dead bodies that were shot. And Scully says, Mulder, she's wearing my outfit. He just says, how embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? He's wearing yours. And she's like, that's us. <laughs> that was also really subtle. Um, it took me a second to realize. I mean, I haven't seen this in probably 20 years, but this episode. But it took me a second to realize that was Mulder and Scully in the, under the floorboards. Yeah, I think it was well done. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think the whole episode was well, well done. But I feel like, and I know we're not scoring yet, It's I'm going to have the same problem I did with Batman Returns, where I, if I was just grading it as it was, that would have been given like a nine for me. But because of Christmas stuff, I'm going to have to mm. score it lower. But. Okay, well, let's go ahead and rank it then. And we're ranking it with our TV specials, since it's just a single standalone and we don't have a big batch of X-Files episodes. So, Anthony, what do you rank... The ghosts that stole Christmas as five purely because it, it, I love this episode, but it was very, very short on all the Christmas stuff. Okay. What about you, Tom? What do you give it? Um, I'm going to give it a th- 2.75. Okay. And I am giving it a 7.5. Admittedly, I have a ton of nostalgia built into this one, but. Nostalgia is a powerful tool. It is it a is. powerful, powerful tool. It is, I really like the episode, but it did not pass the lightness test to me at all. Mm. I'm choosing to blatantly ignore that. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's what, I know that's what we hold ourselves to guys, but it's Mulder and Scully. (laughs) For me though, when you think about it, when I watched it along with all of the other ones, I did get Christmas feels out of it. As light as the hand may be. On our other list, we don't have, um, anything in the fives range uh but on our main list but this one hits a 5.08 bringing it um right below brady bunch the voice of christmas and then and then just above well way above way above above, uh rudolph Rudolph shiny new year at (laughs) (laughs) 0.05167 So there is definitely a big precipitous drop in the TV show list, <laughs> more so than the movie list, which goes more gradually. Even though it's funny, Tom, because I noticed that the other day when I was looking at it, I was like, wow, we don't have anything just like right in the middle on the movie list. No, we, have like, we have six and a quarter and we have four and three quarters, but we don't have anything in the five range at all, which is... Four, four and three quarters, is that going to take you to like Durmstrang or something if you run at that platform? Uh, you know, I stopped running at platforms. They never take me anywhere except to ho- maybe a hospital with a, when I'm concussed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Well, for those listening, uh, let us know one. I really want to know if y'all were big X-Files lovers or not because I love finding new <laughs> friends in the X-Files world. Um, And I mean, interact with us on any of our social medias for any reason. We love chit chatting on there. Um, We are on Instagram at tis the podcast, Twitter at tis the pod, Reddit. We have a really active and exciting to read subreddit. um, Tis the podcast as well. Been really active lately. Yeah. All those glorious Christmas questions are getting people in the mood again, which is great. 
Um, also on Facebook, you can find us at Tis the Podcast, and we have our rankings for what we, you know, watch every week on our website at tisthepodcast.com or tisthepodcast.com. Um, come talk to us. We love talking to you too, and we get super awesome ideas from you. So definitely keep them coming. Um, I did a, um, a person on Reddit found me and I did a, talked to her for about an hour this morning. She's doing her master's thesis on the, um, entertainment medium of podcast. And while we were talking, she let me know that, um, uh, it sounded like a lot of the people she's visited with who are big consumers of podcasts, uh, don't actually engage with the shows themselves. They are more, um, observers than participatory in the relationship with podcasters and that made me with podcasts and that made me sad we don't want you guys to be um, passive viewers we were passive passive listeners we really do want to hear from you um, absolutely it's a lot more fun for me we really want all of your money so we have this thing called patreon <laughs> where you can let us know how much you love us in dollars um <laughs> So we're going to assume if we don't get any new Patreon supporters that you guys just don't like us and you want us to go away, but no pressure. <laughs> we can cut that out and I'll be serious. So we've got a, we also have a Patreon. Huh? Donating to Patreon shows you, Hey man, I love you. One dollar's worth. I gave Ryan an iPod. <laughs> okay. Because you did that, we can leave that in. <laughs> we have a Patreon with some uh, page with some patron only content, and you can get some cool stickers. And I think we may have a Christmas a, a halfway to Christmas Christmas card coming soon to our Patreon listeners. So just a subtle hint: if you're not at that level, you might want to get there. And we have some awesome episodes coming up, guys, for Patreon mm -hmm. as well. Okay, so it brings me great glee to announce what next week's episode is. And next week, we continue TV Month by covering the four Christmas episodes of the show, Glee. Which, if you want to watch them in advance, which you should, they are a very Glee Christmas, extraordinary Merry Christmas, Glee Actually, and previously unaired Christmas episodes. And I'm really excited to talk about this because it's getting hot. It's feeling less like Christmas by the day. And all four of these episodes have some great Christmas music in them. So it should and get visuals. us all back in the mood. And visuals, yeah. Oh, especially the uh, previously unpaired Christmas. The elf costumes are just... Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. So I think that's, <laughs> that's going right to be a one, really right? fun one. Yeah, it is. Okay. So um, do your homework and watch them, guys. You won't you know be disappointed. Do you know where our viewers can watch these? Have we looked at that yet? They are on Netflix. Yep. And if you're listening to this episode, the day we drop it, we are currently at 226 days until Christmas. Which is 32 weeks, which puts us six weeks away from halfway to Christmas. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I do. So away from halfway to Christmas. And we are less than halfway to Halloween. Yeah, no, so. that's pretty magical. <laughs> Six weeks is not very long. No, it's one not. Report, one report card from childhood. <gasps> one report card. Or one report card to Christmas. Yeah. Or one report card to one halfway. One report card to halfway to Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys can tell we have a seriously unhealthy Christmas addiction when we look at so many different ways that we can come to uh, calculate. <laughs> 
You mean three people who cover Christmas movies and TV shows all year have a seriously unhealthy obsession with Christmas, Tom? I didn't know Uh, that. Is that that your uh, psychoanalysis of us? Because it seems pretty shallow and pedantic to me. (laughs) 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 Maurice would be disappointed in you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that's hilarious. All right, guys, go watch your Glee episodes and meet us back here next week, and we will have some super awesome music. We will. Have a good week, guys. Bye.